Welcome back. You are listening to MasteringLaw.com, the podcast dedicated to attorneys who want to master the business of practicing law, as always. I'm Tom Goolsby, and I am with you, and we are jumping into part two of creating a superstar staff. Now, I'm recording this. Sometimes I'll do these, I'll batch process. Other times, I will not when when I'm doing a a multi-part series and all. This time, I did not. I let a bunch of time pass, about a week, after I did the last podcast to sort of digest what we talked about and to put maybe a little different spin on this second follow-up. So I want to jump right back in the material. You may be listening to this back-to-back. You may not have listened to the first part yet. I guess I would encourage you to probably do that first and then come to this one. But, you know, I am so focused on getting the most out of my people, and you should be too. Too many of our organizations, too many law firms function on procedures by default. Uh, The staff has the training they have when they show up in your office, and if they learn anything, it's, you know, something they just happen to fall into. It's no dedicated training. And folks, we got to stop that, my friends. You want to have a superstar staff, and just relying on the law of averages is going to screw you. (laughs) So you got to stop that. What we've got to do is really, really focus on uh, on training. And as we promised at the end of the last episode, we're going to start this training with how to actually run a training session. Now, you're going to have to come up with a plan. You're going to have to schedule that training, and you're going to have to run it. We're going to tell you and teach you how to actually do that. And I want you to be excited about this. If you're not excited about getting your staff super, turning them into superstars, getting them a top-notch talent, then you are really missing the ball. You're missing out on a lot of money. You're missing out on a lot of clients. You're missing out on a great workspace where people are motivated and ready to go. And look, if you got deadbeats, you can try to train them. That may be possible. If it's not, you can end up after trying, determining that they're deadbeats, you need to get rid of them and bring more in and train those. But we can't allow our offices to simply run by default. Now, in past episodes, we have covered the necessity of scheduling strategic events, and I'll just jump on that one more time. Strategic events, those are the things that we typically don't schedule. We don't think about long-term stuff that's going to really impact us. And I say over and over again, it's like you're not going to have oak trees in your yard unless you plant acorns. And, and you know, and a lot of times we say, well, I'd like to have big oak trees. Well, sure. I'd like to have a superstar staff. Well, sure. I'd like to make millions of dollars a year in my law practice. Well, sure. How are you going to do that? Well, what do you mean? I'm just going to hope. It's not about hoping. It's about planting those acorns. Oaks don't grow unless you plant the acorns and you water them, you give them sunlight, and you tend to them. That's what you've got to do with these big-ticket items. And the big-ticket items aren't returning that phone call to one more client. Now, you've got to do that. Of course you need to. And, and you'll do. The client who's bugging the hell out of you, calling your staff, and they're coming in every five minutes, you need to call so-and-so back. You won't stop calling. Okay, we understand all that. But you've got to make sure that you do these strategic things, because you'll never get out of that crazy grind. You'll never go to the next level unless you do that. Your training sessions need to be scheduled at least on a weekly basis. You should be doing some kind of training. 
You can't let more than a month go without training. If you don't have the inclination to do it every week, I'm talking 15 minutes, you know, at a minimum, 15 minutes of some kind of training. If you're not doing that, then at least, at least once a month, you've got to do something. You've got to think about something. You've got to plan. Don't let another month go by without doing some type of training. Now, prior to, or at least at the beginning of each training session, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a little frog in my throat. I'll keep drinking water and trying to talk through this. But prior uh, to each training session, you've got to tell your people what to expect. Now, you want to include, and we're going to talk more about this in a few minutes, learning objectives, the information that you're going to cover. You've got to decide the method of teaching. I mean, how are you going to do it? Is it going to be a lecture? It's going to be a discussion with feedback, which I'd recommend over a lecture. But again, if you just got a data dump, maybe it is just a lecture. Maybe that's the way you start the training with a lecture, and then you follow up later with some different training. Is it going to have an online component? Are you going to have a hot seat? Are you going to test your people, which of course we recommend. We'll talk more about that also in a couple minutes. Uh, you've got to determine the length of the training. And remember, your people need to know so they can fit it in their schedule. This is going to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. I would not recommend going more than 50 minutes without a break. All of that is very important. Now, don't ever forget about Parkinson's Law. What is Parkinson's Law? We talk about it all the time here. It is that the amount of time you give to the project, it will fill that space. So again, think about what it is you have to train how you can accurately do it and shrink the time down for that training. If you give two hours to do something that should take 15 minutes, it's going to take two hours. Not a smart thing to do. Time is money in our business. We bill for our time, of course. Our people's time costs us money. We want to be careful on that and understand the cost of it. Now, you also want to make sure that the knowledge or skill set that you're going to be imparting is going to be impactful. It's going to be something that's really going to move the ball, to use a football analogy, down the field for you. Now, why do you do all of this beforehand? Well, if your staff has a clear understanding of the training in which they're going to be engaged, they're going to be more energetically, they're going to be more mentally focused on the learning objectives from the start. And your mindset, as I spoke about earlier as the instructor, about being enthused, being relaxed, being ready to get in there and go through this stuff. And, and again, we never said in the first episode this is going to be easy. We never said it's going to necessarily be fun. You're going to get a lot of resistance. I'm telling you now, you're going to get a lot of resistance because people like doing things the way they've always done them. You're going to encounter feedback from the beginning, and that's good. Encourage that. You're going to have people that think, hey, why are we changing this? I liked the way we did it. I'm an old dog. I don't want to learn a new trick. You're going to hear that, but you're the boss. You're the person who's paying the bills, and you've got to demand excellence out of your people. Your positive mindset, your enthusiasm is going to be contagious if from the outset you explain the short-term and the long-term goals of training in general. You want to pre-address with your staff all of those issues so that they're ready to come in, they're ready to sit down, they're ready to learn, and they're ready to make the most of their time and energy. You want to explain how the training is going to help them because our staffs do struggle. 
They do. We all know. They, they, at times, they feel totally overburdened. At times, they don't know what they're doing. At times, they've got clients who are bugging the hell out of them, and they don't know how to respond. Well, you know, when you identify what those big areas are, and we're going to go through some of those areas in a minute to sort of help you pick them out, but when you identify those areas and you address those for your staff and you train them how to handle it or how and when to pass it on to you so you can handle it, man, you're going to see their confidence boosted. Their stress levels are going to go down. They're going to have avenues of feedback and participation, and their jobs are going to be more fun. They're going to be more satisfied. They're going to stay with you longer, work harder for you, produce more. Are you still going to get pushback? Yeah, you will. Like, like I said, people don't want to change. But if you repeat and you reinforce and you keep pushing things down the road and you let people know that you're going to inspect, and I like this one, they will respect what you inspect. Slowly but surely, by you with just your doggedness, your persistence, you're going to see change if you work hard enough to make it happen. You're not going to see it all at once. Now, maybe you've got a staffer or two who will gobble this up and go right to it, but most of the time, no, that's not what's going to happen. Your training has always got to be mandatory. It's never optional. you got to schedule the event and make sure that everybody is there Nobody gets to schedule a medical appointment to be around it. If everybody starts dropping out, then what do you do? Well, you reschedule it, and you make sure everybody shows up. Maybe if you've got a big enough staff, you might have two sessions of the same thing so you can bring different groups in, or people who couldn't make it who had to deal with clients in the meantime. But again, everybody's got to be there that it affects. Now, of course, if you've got somebody that's a receptionist that never deals with uh, uh, an issue of putting a settlement package together or litigation work. and I mean, you know, sure, they don't attend. But when it's for them, they are to be there. Now, another thing you might do is also consider handing out written material. Why is that? Well, written material can actually, again, be stuff that people can refer back to. They can, in fact, glance at it before they come in if you give it to them early enough. And if you leave space in there where they can take down notes, you've also got all of that going. So those are things. Now, again, like I said, repetition of training is the key to having your superstar staff. You've got to be disciplined, and you've got to emphasize your core material over and over and over again. None of this is going to stick with one shot. Everybody's going to feel great. Sure, oh, wow, that was great. I'm really pumped up. And what do they do? They immediately go out and they forget everything you taught them. The next time that recalcitrant client calls or the bad dude or whatever it is, or they get behind or they feel like they're over, but they'll go right back to the way they were doing things. You've just got to remember, you've got to hammer that same core material over and over and over again because then that skill set that you've taught them will become permanent. And the beautiful thing is, Everybody's going to be on the same page at that point when you institute learning. I mean, imagine, we talked about this in the last one, if I recall. I mean, how does McDonald's do it? How does McDonald's have millions of employees, or probably not millions, hundreds of thousands of employees around the world, and they all know how to cook hamburgers. They all know how to run the register. They all know how to make fries, you know, if that's their, their different jobs. How do they do that? Well, they have training. They have standardized training. When you come in the door at McDonald's, 
They put you in the back and have you watch the video. They take you through the training, and they're able to systematically have people do all those jobs all around the world all the time. And it, it, it truly is amazing, but it's what you ought to be doing. If you lose a secretary and you get a new one, you should have a training procedure set up to bring that person in and to lock them into the way that you do things. They don't get to bring the stuff they brought from their last malfunctioning firm into your office. A rude attitude, poor procedures, no follow-up. They can't do that. Why? Because you've set up your own procedure and your own way of doing things. That way, everybody's going to be on the same page when it comes to things like internal communications, client satisfaction. I mean, you're, you're going to see things like client dissatisfaction, miscommunication, snafus. That's a military term. I think it's from World War II. Situation normal, all fouled up. Okay, uh, the, the F uh, in military nomenclature was, was not fouled, and you can guess what that word was. Uh, problems, emergencies, mistakes, all of those are going to be drastically reduced with proper and continuous and repetitious training. Remember how expensive problems are. I mean, when problems happen, and a lot of times you don't even know what they are. You don't know when that client was lost. You don't know who ticked the client off. You don't know why the case never came in. They're expensive. You know, missing a mediation date, missing a mediation date, missing a deadline on discovery. All those things can cost you money and make you look like an idiot. And you can nip those in the bud. Now, how do you run a training session? Well, in the Marines, they taught me this, and I've never forgotten this again because it was drilled into my head. Lieutenant, this is how you run a training session. You tell the Marines what you're going to tell them. You tell them. Then you tell them what you told them. And in fact, when I was at the basic school, when I was at um, air traffic control school, all the different training that I went through in the Marine Corps, we always, at the beginning of a class, had tell you what your learning objectives were. Here's what you're going to learn. Here's the three things or five things. Then they would go through each learning objective. Then they would tell you what you'd learned, and that was your class. Well, that's really what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to explain those learning objectives first. And that should be listed out in any materials that you hand out. Here's an example. This is one on telephone training. You're going to learn how to correctly answer the phone with the proper demeanor and the style to always impress the caller and inculcate from the beginning the quality of our firm, its prestige, and its value. That's number one. Number two in this training session, you're going to learn how to politely extract all the necessary material from any caller so that the attorney can maximize his or her time when and if and how they respond to the caller. Now think about having your, your phone answering people. In fact, everybody potentially answers the phone in your office. Everybody being drilled like Marines to know exactly how to do those two things. What would that do for your office? What would that do for you in time savings? Not, hey, Bob called. You need to call him back. What, what was it about? Uh, what time's he available? Uh, what's the best way to get him? Can I text him? Did you get an email on that? I mean, again, do we even know what it's about? You know, think about just those two little things. If you trained on that for 15 minutes, once a week, for a month, and then you, and you were putting your people on a hot seat and doing pretend calls where you were the caller and you got them trained up on how to handle those two things precisely, 
What would that do to your office? I guarantee you, most people listening, you would love that. And it would revolutionize the way that things work in your office. Remember, if your staff has a clear understanding of what they're going to learn, experience, and hear, they're going to be better focused when they get into that class, better prepared to absorb the material. And like I said, all training is mandatory. It has to be specific and it has to be repetitive and you've got to work to make it fun. To take feedback, you know, not just to get there and preach, but to hear. Because you may get suggestions on, you know, I've tried doing that before, Tom, but it doesn't work all the time. Well, okay, does it work 80%? Yeah. When does it not work? Oh, it doesn't work here. Well, let's figure that scenario out. Talk it through and come out with a way to make it work. And again, you may have some people that, well, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, you know what? I don't give a shit. You don't feel comfortable. You, you, you're expected to do what we expect you to do. Period. This is not a democracy that we're running here. We're happy to take input. And again, I'm, I, I don't want you to preach. I want you to be helpful and all. But at some point, when you've got people who just won't listen, you, know, you draw them aside. You don't do this in public. And you explain the facts of life to them and how things are going to work in your firm. And either they get with the program or they get going. Now, you do need to be ready to deal with objections. And in fact, you want to encourage them. You want to be willing to consider new and different and additional and even better ways of doing things as long as one thing's achieved. And what's that? <clears throat> well, in the Marine Corps, we call that the objective. If the objective is to close with, attack, and kill the enemy uh, or, or take a certain building, then that's what we did. And for us, it's whatever you're, you've laid out and you've heard it in other podcasts, as to what your firm's goal is and objective. And of course, most of the time, is to satisfy what our clients are coming to us for. It may be to gather more clients. It may be to you know, any number of things. But you got to make sure that when you do that training, you know what the objective is, and you make sure, like we said earlier, you know, when somebody calls your firm, you want to make sure that the minute that phone is spoken into by your staff, they are impressing that caller. They are inculcating in them the quality, the prestige, and the value of your firm from the way they answer with a smile on their face before they even speak because that smile comes through the phone. Now, like I said, there might be better ways of doing things. As long as the objective's obtained, that's where you're going, and you can sure listen to feedback. Also, things about you know a multimedia approach is great at least some materials, you know, requiring them to sit there as you're speaking and make notes, underline the points that you've made in there, you know, the, the materials that you've given them. And if you've got things that you can't, you know, if, if you've got slides, if you've got a PowerPoint, whatever it might be, or, you know, nothing more than having your notepad there and taking down notes. I mean, you, you, you can use visual aids. They will significantly increase memory. Note-taking will boost it even higher. And, of course, what's the best of all? Well, role-playing and testing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. That will really, really instill in people an understanding of what it is they're supposed to do. Now, remember, you need practical, you need consistent. How many times have I said that? Repeated application of training in order to make a lasting impression and a behavioral change. That's what you're doing. You're changing the way things happen in your office. They're not going to be by happenstance anymore. They're going to be direct 
and they're going to be exactly what you want to see and what you want to have happen that's going to help your firm. What are the types of teaching methods? Well, there's I basically broke it down to three. You could break it down to more. There's a lecture. We've talked about that, just a data dump. There's a group discussion, and then there's role-playing. And in that role-playing, I also put in the testing scenario. You know, role-playing, testing, same kind of thing. Now, lectures, good for massive data, but it's better if you do it with lots of diagrams, graphics, even video. Make sure the students are taking notes, like I said, to increase retention. Group discussions are great if you're asking questions and receiving feedback. Okay, that can be extremely helpful to you. Uh, again, with group discussions, the key is going to be just like with jury selection. You don't ask yes or no questions. Everybody believe we should be... You want to ask open-ended questions. You know, I, 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 I do a lot of jury trials, and over and over, and I watch. You know, most attorneys just want to get the hell through the jury selection. And they sit there... And they ask the jurors, can you be fair? Are you a reasonable person? Can you give my client every benefit of the doubt? You know, on and on and on and on and on. And just ridiculous questions. Nobody's going to say, no, I'm a jackass. I'm a complete moron. You know, no, nobody's going to say that. So what you do is you, how many people hate chiropractors? How many of you all think they're quacks? Now, I don't. But I ask that question all the time to a jury in a personal injury case to see who responds that way. I don't ask, does everyone understand that a chiropractor is a doctor, of, uh, uh, is a uh, primary physician under North Carolina law? Can, can, you know, everybody, Mr. Jones, you understand that? Yeah, and there's Mr. Jones who hates chiropractors, you know. But what's he going to say? Well, yeah, if you tell me that's the law, that's the law, but uh, I'm not going to pay attention to the damn thing the guy says. Well, you just elicited nothing from him. And it's the same with group discussions. Don't use yes or no answers. Don't assume the answer, ask open-ended questions, solicit feedback, involvement, and suggestions. Those suggestions can help you actually get to your objective potentially better than you had arranged because we all don't know everything. In fact, most of us know a whole hell of a lot less about what our staffs do than we even realize. Role-playing and testing, like I said, that is, <clears throat> that is a great final scenario. <clears throat> I told you I had a little bit in my throat there, excuse me. Uh, th that's always great. That's where you need to go. It's where you need to end up. That's where you're really going to truly set up and enforce procedures. When you finally get to the testing phase, to the role-playing phase, and like we talked about with the telephone protocols from our podcast, making the most of your oldest technology, you know, when you get there and you do say, okay, now we're going to do it. I want you to sit down at the desk and you pick up the phone, and I'm going to go in the other room, and we're going to talk over the intercom, but I'm going to pretend to be a new caller. Or I'm going to call from my cell phone, and you're going to pick it up, and we're going to start the conversation. And then you test your staff to see how well they respond to the guy who's the jerk, the guy that won't give out information, the person who calls up complaining, and how to get them to the right person, how to minimize their time, you know, not sit there with somebody who's just going on and on and on, encouraging them to leave a detailed confidential message on your voicemail. You know, when it's someone who has a big data dump and your staff didn't want to sit there for 30 minutes and write, and it can much more easily be put on to voicemail. And of course, there are plenty of people, well, I don't, I don't like voicemail. I, I, 
I trained my clients. I trained them. I said, hey, that message you made Heather take down for 20 minutes, let me tell you how to do that in the future. My voicemail is private and confidential. You can much more easily do that, not make her sit there for 10 minutes and write down everything you said. Put it on my voicemail next time. I'm directing her not to do that in the future. Oh, okay, I, I didn't realize. You know, again, sometimes you got to train your clients, and your staff will say, how do I handle this? I'll take charge. I, as the attorney, will train the client so that this doesn't continue, okay? There are ways, and once you hear that feedback and you encourage it, you can actually help with it. Now, once you provide the material and you discuss with them, help them to understand why it's important, you really do need to see how and if they are implementing it. And there's nothing like testing. Just wait until you try it the first time. Wait until that staffer's put in the hot seat and told to run through the scenario of you as the caller and just see what happens. I tell you what, it's going to be a uh-oh moment. Not only are we training, they're going to say to themselves, but now we're being tested. And no matter what the form of training you're doing, whether it's lecture, group discussions, or role-playing, you need to consider some form of testing. Now, one great thing to do at the beginning of training, the beginning, is just do a quick little quiz, a quick little test, just to see right out of the gate what their base of knowledge is. That'll help you, you know, determine the initial level of where they are and then where you need to go to. And you can use these results to also, at the end of the training, show them, hey, when we first sat down, these were the three things you identified when I asked that question. You didn't know them. You got them all wrong. Here's what you know now. And all of a sudden, they'll be like, wow, I really, I really did learn a lot. Quizzes can also be helpful, particularly when you've got acronyms for certain procedures. Maybe you've got particular scenarios You've got standard operating procedures. You've got compliance requirements. And you can come up with acronyms for exactly how they're to handle those scenarios. Well, again, little quizzes, you know, testing, making sure they know the rote responses to those things. That's going to instill into literally the hard drive, the brains of your staff, exactly how things are to be handled. And only training's going to do that for you. Now, why do you think the military does so many of these things, you know, by the number, again and again and again. I can tell you, because when Marines go into combat, you know, or in your office when the phone rings and there's the, there's the bad, evil client on there who's complaining, they know exactly how to handle that situation, diffuse it, and fix the problem, get the person to the right folks to help, to help and resolve the issue. Or you've got the person calling in that's breaking down, that needs help, and they're assured. They're told, hey, we can help. Here's what's going on. Tell me more. You know, on and on and on. That person then immediately falls in love with your office, trusts your people, and thereby extend that trust to you. And you get a good client that comes in and pays you a large fee. So again, it's that training over and over and over again. If you have not played this thing out, if the body and the mind haven't gone there before, they're not going to be able to do it in real life. That's why realistic training is so important. You want your employees pre-programmed for super achievement. Now let's talk about technology and technology training. When's the last time, I mean, think about this. When's the last time you upgraded your software? Well, you may have done it yesterday. 
You may have purchased the, the latest upgrade to Microsoft Word or to your operating system or what. You may have bought a new printer. You may have bought a new computer. You may have bought a new copier, which we just had one repaired. And does your staff, is your staff fully trained on how to use it? Does it duplex? Do they know how to do it from their computer? Do they have to get up and print everything out and then copy it? I mean, what kind of technology upgrades are you doing with your staff, with your staff's training? You know, you're, you're paying the money to upgrade the software, but what, up, what about upgrading the software in your own staff's head so that they are able to fully utilize all the software, hardware, the applications, all those things that are out there? Imagine going around and upgrading your staff. Studies show that we utilize 10% on many occasions, just 10% of the technology that we've already got. So what do you do? Well, there's plenty of folks at various locations. I mean, you know, from the Geek Squad to, I mean, you name it, you can go to the Apple Store. If you have Apples, which we all have in our office now, I've gotten rid of all the Microsoft stuff. I just do Apple products. And, uh, oh, you can go to the Apple Store and have all sorts of training. Training upgrades for your staff. I mean, you can take them out, do an hour-long training exactly on what it is at, at uh at an Apple store or some Apple-authorized training service. We've got one here. We've got two here, actually, in my little town. And you take them out, do an hour's worth of training, and uh, take them out for a glass of wine after. I mean, again, close the office early. Make it or bring them into your office even better. I've actually brought Apple people in to train my staff. And you participate in it. Don't just turn it over to the staff. Know what the hell they're doing. Upgrade yourself. So, again, technology training is invaluable for, you just wouldn't believe the crazy stuff that people go through to just save things and not putting them in the right folders and having no way to even find stuff. You can fix all of that. Now you need to start developing a training plan. How do you do that? Well, first you want to look for weaknesses in your organization. Is it the telephone? Is it client retention? Is it getting clients? I mean, you know, case intake client management, client contact, marketing, internal procedures, case preparation, whatever it is. Once you find the sorest tooth in your mouth, okay, the mouth of your firm, what you want to do at that point is you want to drill down into it and fix it, okay? Now that you've determined what training to do, like where the biggest area of, of problems are, you then want to figure out who needs to be trained. When do we want to train? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Is it after work? How do we want to do that? What method are we going to use? We're going to start off maybe with the initial material in a lecture, then go to a group discussion, then testing, maybe. Maybe it's just a group discussion to begin with and just sort of see how things progress from there. Whatever it is, let's go ahead and start figuring out the method to use. And then you want to ask always, you know, why are we doing this training? What is the bottom line objective? And what's the desired impact I want the staff to walk away with? Now, after this podcast, I want to encourage you to just spend two minutes. Again, don't make it 20 when it only takes two, but write down the answers to these questions. What's our sore point? Who's going to be trained? What are we going to teach them? What method are we going to use? And what are our objectives and our desired impact? and then start training. <laughs> it's just that simple. Set the time up in the schedule. 
notify everybody, make everybody be there who's going to be, you know, who needs to be trained and start training and make it a weekly, bi-weekly, or at least a monthly. And I would encourage again, at least every other week, every week would be great. Some type of training and think outside the box. Like I said, go to an Apple store, get the software people in, figure out how there are people out there to train all the time and utilize them. The money you spend them, oh, it's going to cost $150 to get somebody in. Really? Well, what the hell do you think it'll save you? A lot more than $150. And again, if you're involved and you don't just turn it over to some staff person who doesn't want to do the training anyway, who doesn't really understand fully, you're the attorney, you're in charge, you're the one that makes it happen. And then once it happens and it's good, really tweak it out, record it, you know, in a journal, video it, whatever you've got to do to make sure that you can repeat it again and again and again so that you can, again, inculcate those skills. They will not stick unless you repeat, repeat, repeat. Now, what's the bottom line? Fully trained employees are going to save you incredible amounts of money, incredible amounts of hassle, and they're going to make you incredible amounts of money. They truly are. And it's just up to you. And again, it's like that acorn. Is it hard to plant an acorn? No, it's not. It just requires tending to. You got to put it in the ground. You got to water it, see that it gets sunlight, and then pull the weeds away from it. You know, continue to, to watch over it, to baby it. And it'll just keep growing into that big tree that you want. And your employees, they're going to be more motivated because they're going to have better directions. They're going to have better skills and abilities. And continuous training is going to make them more effective, more professional, and more compliant with your demands for excellence. For excellence, you're going to have no more procedures by default. As new issues arise and old ones are solved, you can design higher and higher levels of training to solve whatever the new problems are. And it'd be great to have new problems. You know what that means? Your organization's going up the ladder to greater success. As you improve the knowledge and sharpen the skills, you're going to see your staff become those superstars that you want. New employees are no longer going to be trained by default. They're going to be trained with a purpose to be effective and efficient in the procedures that you've established. You're going to get maximum positive impact for your organization. You know, that, that component of the law firm, the law firm as a whole, and on profitability. And the bottom line is you can either feel the pain or you can train. <laughs> How's that for my best Johnny Cochran? You can feel the pain or you can train. That is where we end up today. Hey, we appreciate you. We would love for you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have questions, problems, or concerns, we'd love to hear from you. Go to the website. And the website is masteringlaw.com. God bless you. Wish you the best in your practice. And we look forward to continuing to share the material, share the knowledge. God bless. All the best.